Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number five of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Greetings from Melbourne, guys. Thank you for joining me today. And uh, this is episode number five of the Founder Podcast. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, if you're enjoying these interviews, please make sure you check out the magazine. Founder is a digital magazine on the App Store and Google Play Store, and it is action-packed with tactical, strategical, and just really gold content. It's there for you, the entrepreneur that wants to know what it takes to build a successful business. If you're sick and tired of all the glamorous success stories, this is a magazine for you. It's where I spend all my time. Yeah, it's it's really my life's work. So yeah, if, you, if you're enjoying these interviews, please go and support me and uh, check out the magazine. You can download it uh, in the iTunes store or the Google Play store. Now this brings me to our episode with Chris Gillibo. Guys, this man is an absolute machine. He has visited every country in the world is a nomad that travels the world on his laptop and lives a lifestyle that most people would envy. He runs the Art of Nonconformity blog, which is a blog that teaches people how to challenge the status quo. He's also a best-selling author, runs the world-renowned World Domination Summit every year. In this interview, Chris really shares with us what it takes to, to live the dream. We actually don't talk tactics too much. But uh, I found it really interesting to gain an insight into someone's mind who is trying to have a massive impact on the world. A lot of people talk about, you know, 
I want to change the world. And as Chris describes in this interview, a really big thing to say. And uh, he goes through his how he's trying to make an impact. I just want you to have a think about that for a second. Chris is a New York Times bestselling author. He runs an extremely high-traffic blog. He runs one of the coolest events on the planet, hosting over 3,000 people from all around the world. And, yeah, he travels the world constantly, and uh, he's living a life of freedom, fun, and adventure. And I found it really, really interesting to see how he thinks, see how he operates, see how he challenges himself, and see what goes through his mind. Yeah, it was a really, really cool, interesting interview today. So that's it from me, guys. If you are loving this podcast series, please do me a favor and leave me a five-star review. It helps more than you can imagine. Now let's jump into this interview. Today I'm speaking with Chris Gillibo. He's an entrepreneur, writer, New York Times bestselling author, world changer, travel hacker, and is the founder and creator of the World Domination Summit. So, Chris, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time, man. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a big honor. Thank you. So, can you tell us about how you got your job? (laughs) Well, I'm not sure I count it as a job, per se, because uh, I'm actually not a very good employee. You know, I'm not really good at at working for anyone else. I I discovered when I was quite young, maybe about 19 or 20 years old, that uh, I'm basically unemployable, and I had to find a way to make a living somehow. So I guess for about 10 years or so, I, I did all kinds of different entrepreneurial ventures. I also lived overseas in West Africa for about four years as an aid worker, just kind of doing anything I could to support myself and to allow myself to do the things that I was more interested in doing, whether that was traveling or playing music at night or volunteering. As I said, I did that for about 10 years, and that was great. Uh, But then when I was turning 30, I thought, well, this is all fine and well, but what's next? You know, like, like, what am I trying to work toward over time? And that's when I decided to begin a career as a writer. And so I started a little blog in 2008, and I started this project of visiting every country in the world. And I said, I'm going to write about it and document it for anyone who cares. And slowly but surely, people started reading And that blog then became kind of a business and community of its own. And then I wrote my first book out of that experience. And then I kept writing books. And that's what led to the World Domination Summit and a lot of other things. But I guess for me, it's just been about doing things that I'm excited about and finding a way to connect those things with something that's valuable to other people. And that's been probably the impetus for the whole journey. The thing with you is you've, you've achieved so much in so a short span of time, like the platform that you've built, the audience that you have, especially like with the Art of Nonconformity and the World Domination Summit, I'd just like to know, how how do you create a a compelling story with your blog? Well, I don't know if it's about, you know, just deciding for yourself, like, how am I going to, like, create a compelling story? I think compelling story comes comes from within. It comes from our own lives. And it's more about, okay, what do I want to do with my life? You know, what's the, what's the story that I want to tell with my life? What do I want to live? And, and, you know, for me, I was motivated by two things. I was motivated by like pursuing my own dream. And that, that dream was very much about independence and freedom. You know, I didn't want to work for someone else. I wanted to be responsible for myself. I wanted to be able to travel, you know, whenever I wanted. I was very oriented toward goal setting. So that's why I, I took the travel and the goal setting and put it together and decided to go to every country. So that was one side of it. But then the other side, I guess what I found 
like ultimately unfulfilling on my own was was just doing my own stuff. I wanted to connect that to other people. So I guess whatever success the project has had in terms of the books and WDS and all that has been on on not just focusing within myself, but on on saying, okay, how you know how are other people going to care about this? Why is this going to make a difference for other people's lives? Because if I'm just traveling. There's nothing wrong with that, but no one else really benefits from it. It's just me. But if I can find a way to maybe show other people how they can travel or help other people become self-employed or help other people do something for themselves, and then maybe if I can connect some of those people to one another, you know, hopefully that has some value. So I think whatever success I've had has come from putting those, those two things together as opposed to just treating them you know, completely separate. Okay. So, look, there's a lot of things there that I'd like to unpack. But the first thing that shouts out to me is, is you talk about goals. How do you set your goals? You know, I'm pretty intentional with how I set my goals. I do this process called an annual review every year. I usually do it in December, and, and I go away for a few days and spend a lot of time thinking back about the year that's just passed. And I look at, you know, what went well during that year as well as what did not go well. What did I achieve? You know, what, what was I happy about as well as what were my failures and my struggles? And then from there, I kind of look ahead to the next year and say, okay, you know, what's next year going to look like? And I have different categories. I have, you know, business goals and writing goals, travel goals, community, you know, all that. And, and then I, I try to figure out, okay, you know, how can I make a few specific outcomes for each of these things? You know, what are my goals for my health? How much do I want to exercise and work out? What's that going to look like? And then I just try to structure my life around those things and, and say, okay, to achieve this, you know, if I want to write a book, you know, you can't just say I'm going to write a book, you know, next week. You know, for most people, it takes months or, you know, the better part of a year to write a decent book. And so you have to you have to align the short term actions with the desired long term goal. So in my case, like, a, you know, a book for me is about 70,000 words. I break that up and say, OK, I need to write 15 chapters and maybe I'm going to write a thousand words a day has been one of the habits that I try to maintain. And, uh, you know, I can't write a 70,000 word book in one week, but if I write a thousand words a day, you know, over time, I'm going to get to that goal. So it sounds kind of structured. And now that I'm telling you this, I worry maybe it sounds too like routinized or something. But like, for me, the having the goals actually helps me achieve what I want to do, because they're the goals that I've set. They're not goals that someone else has, you know, imposed on me. Yeah, okay. I see. Yeah, no, I, I can hear the desire when you talk about it. And I think, I've gone through a massive process this year with setting goals. And Excellent. For me, the biggest piece is the desire, how, how bad I really want it. And that's, that's, I think, how I've structured mine in order because I, everybody has a ton of goals, but you're not going to achieve them all. Yeah, yeah, well, that's great. No, I like, I like the prioritization. And I think I also like, I, I sense maybe your goals are kind of specific as well, which is good because mm -hmm. a lot of people have very vague goals. So you're like, my goal is to like improve my health or exercise more or I want to make more money or whatever it is. And, and that's not very specific. You know, you don't know when you've achieved that goal. And so I, I always like to kind of say, okay, here's exactly what it's going to look like. I know I'm going to have achieved this goal when, you know, I meet this variable or whatever. And I think it also helps to to know what you really want and be willing to to sacrifice for it because you you're you're willing to give something up in the short term to achieve something in the long term. So that's that's a lot of what goals are about for me. Yeah, no, look, that's awesome. And this leads on perfectly to to the next question I was going to ask you and that is people look at someone like you Chris and they only see the end product sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what did you have to sacrifice to be where you are today? What did you have to give up? Can you give us Oh, a little wow. bit of an insight to that. Yeah, what did I have to give up? Wow. 
I had to give up some of my pride, I think, some of my insecurities. You know, I was always kind of a private person, just did my own thing and traveled and didn't really want to like put something forward to the world because I was worried that people would criticize it. And, you know, I was always kind of sensitive to that. And for a long time, it was just much more comfortable to kind of, you know, have a, I had a business, I had a decent income, I could travel and do my own thing, but I didn't have something, you know, bigger and that bothered me. And so I guess, you know, finally I was like, well, I'm just, I'm just tired of doing my own thing and not really challenging myself. So that's one thing, but I would also say, you know, I, I don't feel like I've sacrificed, you know, a great deal because what I've, what I've received in return, the, just the amazing people that I'm fortunate to connect with, uh, this career, like all these great projects that people are doing that I have a, a small part in, like, you know, it, for me, it's like far much more gain than, than any kind of sacrifice. I love your blog, The Art of Nonconformity. And the question that I had for you is, is the feeling that I, I get when I think of your message. It's, it's really that you don't have to live your life the way other people expect you to. Mm. I want to hear your opinion on, on why, why is that? Why, why do you feel that way? I think maybe first it's, it's important to think about why so many people do live their lives, you know, according to other people's assumptions or expectations. And I think it's often because they don't realize there's any alternative out there. And I'm not really interested in encouraging people just to rebel, you know, for no good reason, you know, like I did that when I was a teenager and, you know, I, I didn't have the best results from that. You know, I was just, I just didn't like authority and I just kind of wanted to do my own thing and not go to class or whatever. And, like, and that's fine. Like, but you don't really benefit from that. You don't gain from that. So I, I guess what I came to realize later and, and what I saw many other people doing was, you know, they, they weren't really intentional about their lives. They just kind of followed a certain path because that's what everybody else was doing, you know, in terms of their education, in terms of their careers, decisions that they made about money and debt, relationship decisions, all these kind of things. And there's nothing wrong with those decisions. You know, I'm not interested in, in criticizing other people or, or, you know, second guessing other people's motivations. But I think so many people aren't aware that you don't have to do it that way. You know, if you want to. There, there are different different paths and, you know, education is changing so much and careers are changing so much. And this isn't something that you have to go through a normal process of education and then work for someone else for 20 years. And then maybe one day you can do something different. You know, I feel like people of all ages are, are questioning these different assumptions and not just questioning them, but then taking action. So, you know, I guess, well, guess what I hope to do with that message, you don't have to live your life the way other people expect is just to show people that there's more than one way, there's more than one path. And if you've ever wanted to do something different, but you feel this pressure from society, from your family, from friends, you're not alone. There's all kinds of people all over the world, you know, who are doing good things for themselves. They're pursuing a dream of their own, and they're also making the world a better place. Um, and, you know, it's not just about some author or some blogger or some celebrity or anybody else kind of telling you this. It's about shining a spotlight on all kinds of people from different cultures who are doing it in their own way. And that's, that's probably like the primary motivation for the work I do with that message. Love it. So tell us about changing the world. One thing that I've noticed <laughs> amongst every single successful entrepreneur, somebody that's achieved massive amounts of success in quote unquote, the worlds of society, you know, they're doing amazing things, having a massive impact on the world. These are the people that, yeah, they want to change the world on a fundamental level. Tell us about how you want to change the world. You know, ch changing the world is great, but it also sounds kind of 
you know, it sounds really high level. It sounds, you know, <laughs> how am I going to do that? Like, I don't, you know, who's going to change the world? You know, like, so I guess for me, I always focus on, okay, what is my sphere of influence? You know, who am I? Not just, just me, like, answering this question, but anybody, like, who reads the magazine, you know, who, who like, hears this interview. You know, everyone has a circle of influence. They have people that trust and respect them and, and look to them for certain things. And, and I would say you, you start by, you know, changing yourself. You start by being helpful. To people, you start by asking yourself, you know, what, what can I contribute to? What can I be a part of? You know, when I went to West Africa, you know, I didn't really have any specialized skills. I was just a part of this organization that needed volunteers, and it was a hospital ship. And so most of the people on the ship were highly qualified, you know, in these, these medical areas or else they were qualified in maritime areas. And I just went to manage a warehouse and to carry boxes around, and I absolutely loved it. It was so, so good because I felt like I was tangibly making a difference. I felt like I'm like carrying medical supplies, you know, into a village in Sierra Leone that had just emerged from a civil war. And if I didn't actually bring those medical supplies, then they wouldn't have any at the clinic. So it was a very direct wow. correlation as opposed to just, you know, writing a check to somewhere and you, you hope something good's going to happen with it, but you don't really know because you're not there. And so the other point is I, I benefited from this. You know, like I would come home and go back to the States and see like friends and family once a year and everybody would say, oh, it's so great what you're doing. Like, thank you for helping. And I always felt kind of false about that because, you know, I was like, well, I hope hopefully I'm helping. Hopefully like there's something good that's coming of this, but it's actually really good for me, too. Like I'm being changed through this process. And so I think anyone who wants to do something big with their life or has has big dreams by focusing on that question of how they can help you know it's it's good for humanity but hopefully it's also good for them too because it certainly has been for me yeah no look that settles really well with me because it, it always comes back to the value and the problem that you're solving the bigger the problem the more you'll be rewarded yeah i like it that sounds good but you know for me when i when i had that opportunity to go overseas it did sound kind of big but i'm, I'm so glad that i did you know it led to so much later so I guess I would say if you have an opportunity, if you see some challenge and you're trying to decide, like, should I or shouldn't I, you know, it sounds kind of cliched, but I, I really like this, you know, the statement about how we tend to regret the things that we don't do more than we regret the things that we do. And, you know, in, in the case of, of that experience of going to West Africa, if I went there and I didn't like it or, you know, I wasn't happy or just wasn't good, I mean, the, the worst thing that could happen is I just decided to go home, you know, and so mm -hmm. I think you should always, always try something, you should always experiment. That's right, because it all comes back to your comfort zone too. How actively do you push your comfort zone? You know, that's a good question. These days I don't feel like I push it very much, and it's kind of bothering me. <laughs> ah. You know, I, you, can, you can get into a routine with anything you do, right? You can, you can even get into a routine of, like, telling people not to be in their routine. And so I want to be careful, like, not to get into some meta thing in my own life, you know, where I'm not challenging mm. myself. So I guess one thing you know, that I haven't done recently. I haven't had a new book out, and so I haven't been going out on the road to meet readers. And I've been, I've been traveling still, but in 2012, I went to 40 cities. I did events in 40 cities and, you know, I had conversations with, with readers everywhere I went. And I didn't do that as much of that in 2013. And so when I was thinking about the annual review, I was thinking this is something that I miss. And so, mm -hmm. like, later this year, I'll have a new book, and I'm, I'm going to be going to at least 40 cities, hopefully more, all over the world. And it's not just about promoting a book. It's about you know, having these conversations and hearing from people. And I'm always changed through that process. And so hopefully I'll get back to, to pushing my comfort zone a little bit more soon. Awesome. It's such an awesome feeling to, to have like an impact on somebody else's life, it's like doing the work that you're doing today. It's amazing. 
Well, that's kind of you to say. As I said, I feel very fortunate that I can do what I do. Love it. So let's talk about travel. You've traveled to every country in the world. Like, is that every single country? There's 200... 193. 193. So using the United Nations standard of member states. There's 193 member states. There's a number of other places, you know, which are somewhat unique, but they aren't actually, you know, classified as countries. So I've, I've been to many of those places as well, but just for the purposes of the goal, I counted 193 UN countries. Wow. Now, that, that's an amazing feat, and I know that you're a travel hacking expert. I don't want to go into it too much. I'm more interested in the driver behind that. What, yeah. what is it that excites you about travel? Well, I, I just always loved the process of discovery and exploration, and I loved kind of just getting out of what was normal to me and, and seeing how life was different around the world. And, and then after I'd lived in Africa for a time, I also kind of came to love the process of travel, or the process, you might say. I liked the part about figuring out how to go from place to place and and deciphering all the logistics. And I actually liked being in transit to go, to go places. And I noticed that not everybody likes that. Some people just want to be somewhere. They don't want to actually like plan it out and get on the plane and deal with the bus or whatever. But I actually liked that. And so after I'd been to about 50 countries, that's when I decided to go to 100. My first goal was I want to go to 100 countries like sometime in my life. And then I started working toward that goal. And I realized it wasn't actually that difficult because I could choose which countries to go to. You know, and I would just, I, if I didn't want to go to a hard country or if I had a problem getting a visa or something, I could just omit that country and go somewhere else. And so as I got closer to the 100, I decided to set the goal to go to all of them. And that's what I've been doing for the past 10 years. And it's, so the driver, I guess, was, first of all, a love of travel, but then also a love of the challenge itself. I, I really like the idea of, like, making the list and then figuring out, okay, like, here, you know, how many countries are there in the world, like you said, and, and how do you get to them all? And are there countries that are dangerous or difficult? You know, are there countries that are just remote and, you know, really hard to get to? I remember when I was in Australia, I went to Nehru. You know, almost no one goes to Nehru. When I went from Brisbane, uh, there were six people on my flight. There were six people total, and that was a weekly flight, you know. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of – and I liked figuring that out. I liked figuring all that stuff out and, and seeing how to, how to make it possible. So that was the motivator. Just crazy to even think about. Like some – because some of these countries would be extremely dangerous. Were you ever scared? Most of them are not, though. That's the thing. You know, 193 countries in the world, the vast, vast majority of them are totally safe, at least at least no more dangerous than, than places at home. You know, there, there are different neighborhoods in almost any city in the world that you want to be careful in. You know, so I guess I always try to be cautious. And there are a few times that I was frightened, but I would say like, you know, 180 countries out of 193, you know, always felt very safe and was always treated, you know, with respect and hospitality. So it was a great experience. Wow, look, I'm sure it would have been more than just a great experience. Like, to, to be able to even say that is would be an amazing feat. But that, that's awesome. I love it. Let, let's switch gears and talk about the $100 startup and, and business. Majority of the, the readers and people listening would, would be either just about to start their entrepreneurial journey or, or just on it. So I'd like to hear what... What are the components that you believe it takes to build a successful business to fund a, a life of, of freedom, fun, and adventure? Yeah, excellent question. So with the $100 startup, we, we did a lot of research, talked to more than 1,500 people all over the world who had all started a successful small business without spending a lot of money. Most of them spent less than $1,000, a lot of them $100 or less. That's the title. Almost none of them had gone to business school. Most of them did it by 
you know, kind of following their passion or, or at least pursuing a skill that they had and then finding a way to make that valuable to other people. So not just following any passion, but following, you know, a specific kind of passion that other people recognize as well. You know, one of the biggest lessons was just helping people simplify, because if you haven't started a business before, you feel like it's this really big thing, kind of like changing the world. And you, you, you imagine writing a business plan of like 60 pages or more. And because if you read most books, that's what they tell you to do. And, and if you talk to a banker, that's what they tell you to do. But that's not how most small businesses are started. A business is simply a product or a service. It's something that you make or offer. It's a group of people who are willing to purchase that or otherwise exchange money for it. And it's a means of getting paid. So it's mm. a PayPal account, essentially, you know, and PayPal is now in, I think, more than 150 countries. So almost anyone listening or, to this or reading this interview should be able to have a means of getting paid. Almost everyone has something that they can offer to the world, some kind of, you know, something kind of skill or knowledge that can be transferred into a product or service. And then it's a question of finding the right people. So in the $100 startup, there's a one-page business plan, which if you don't have the book, you don't have to buy it. You can get the, the one-page business plan for free on 100startup.com. And there's lots of other resources that kind of show exactly how people have done this in different ways. But the other thing I'm a big fan of encouraging people to do is to start quickly, to start within 30 days or less. So really try to figure out, okay, what, what is it that I can create and offer? How can I make a really simple website and get it up? It's okay if it's not you know, going to win some design award or something. It's okay if it's not super successful because it's not going to cost a lot of money. But hopefully I'm going to learn something from it. And a lot of the stories that we looked at not only did they learn something from it, but they actually did make a lot of money, you know, right from the beginning. So those are a few, the few of the first things I think of. Awesome. And can you tell us the components about what, what you believe it takes to build a successful business? Ultimately, it takes convergence, which is what we've been talking about a little bit in this interview in some different ways. It's about saying, okay, here's, if you draw, make a list of all the things that you're good at, so all the things that, that you like and that you're you like spending your time on, and then think about, okay, what are the things out of this list that other people are also interested in? You know, how can I make this, you know, valuable and interesting? There's a lot of stories about people who've created different kinds of information products by helping people, you know, to be educated about certain things. There's a story in the book about a guy in California who wrote an ebook about Evernote, the free mm. software you know, just helping people to use the software. And no one had ever done this before. He wrote an ebook. It took him a month or two, and it ended up making more than $100,000, you know, over the first year. Now, he, he, did, he made a great product. You know, he spent a lot of time, like, compiling the information. But ultimately, he provided something that he was really passionate about. He loved this software and was, a, a, like, a geek, you know, for Evernote. And other people also were using this, but there was no one, you know, helping. So he did that. You know, in some of the travel hacking stuff that I do, you know, no one ever pays me to travel. I'm just a traveler. But when I found a way to say, okay, you know, I've had a lot of experience going to places without spending a lot of money. Maybe there's a way I can document that and offer that, you know, to people who have the same need. That's when that business became successful. So it's about focusing on something that you love, but that other people are willing to pay for. Love it. Awesome. So look, we have to look at wrapping things up. So I'm going to ask you one question that I ask every single person that I interview and, and share their, their story in the magazine, and that is, do you have any final words of wisdom or, or is there a question that you wanted me to ask you that, that I haven't asked you yet that you uh, wanted to share? Yeah, no, I wasn't prepared for final words of wisdom. You know, I, my whole life has been a, just a process of, of, of trying things and seeing what works, and some things don't work, but I don't worry about those things. I just I keep focusing on what does. And 
you were kind enough to say some nice things about this whole project, the art of nonconformity and everything else. But all of that, you know, if you go to read the beginnings of the blog, you'll probably see that it's not very good. And I always encourage people to do that because, you know, if you look at someone who is a little bit more successful or maybe they have more platform or whatever it is you're trying to achieve, you can feel intimidated. But you should go back and see where they started. And you'll probably see the whole process of, of how they built that and the mistakes that they made and the things that they did well. And so I guess all I've done is I've, I've persisted. You know, I, I just I believed in this. And so I kept going. And so I would encourage people, if you find something that you believe in, then you should keep going. That's awesome. The quote, 80% of success is showing up from yeah. Woody Allen. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, like I said, it sounds kind of like a cliche kind of thing, but a lot of people don't show up. So if you show up, you're ahead of 80% of them. <laughs> awesome. Well, look, Chris, I, I really appreciate you taking the time and I feel honored to be speaking with you right now. So yeah, look, thank you very much. Cheers, man. Thank you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.